When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. Hey, how you doing? I am fantastic. I am preparing for Valentine's Day. Do you have some kind of massive plan put together? I sure do. I call it the don't go into debt without a good reason plan. It's um, Valentine's Day. Is your good reason is, is that so your wife is not angry? Well, no. Honestly, we don't really do a whole lot for Valentine's Day. Uh, we recognize the importance of the cardboard cutout holiday but we don't really celebrate it a whole lot i mean we do look i'll tell you happy valentine's day i'll make some steak and shrimp for dinner because any excuse to have steak is a good one but i'm not one to really go out and buy things she's not the biggest fan of flowers and if she, if she does want flowers it's like a just because thing it's not because hey it's february 14th let's go spend money because we're obligated to right well and i think with my wife and I, we've 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 found happy mediums in most of those places. You know, flowers can also be potted and and stay in the house. And yeah, you know me well enough to know how much I love cards and the single use items that are usually put out for Valentine's Day or a lot of these holidays. It definitely gets me going, and to the point where I think sometimes my wife doesn't bring it up in the fear that I might go on a rant in the middle of a grocery store. That's probably a safe bet. Um, <laughs> I don't doubt that. And while we're on the topic of this, real quick, I think it's kind of ironic that like the holiday that people are most known for giving flowers is in like towards the middle to end of winter, right. <laughs> where you have to get them from somewhere else. Just yeah. for us, I mean, granted, if you're in California or Florida, and it's no big difference, but for us. There is no flowers. There is no, there's very little life. I'm I'm going to sling some generalization at this and say for us in half the country. Because <laughs> there's a big portion of us that get snow this time of year. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, I don't really, I don't have necessarily the strongest feelings against uh, greeting cards as you do. I, I don't like them, but... At the same side, I was also raised that that's where you put in like the emotion when you give someone a gift, you write them a nice thing in their card. So I've always been that person who keeps the cards because I get the little sentimental knickknack token of their gesture from whatever the holiday was, birthday, blah, blah, blah. I don't maybe go on a rant about them, not nearly as bad as gift bags or uh, the plastic wrapping for flowers. Hang on. No, hang on. A gift bag can be used more than once. I, I collect gift bags at the end of holidays from people who don't want and their so gift bags. so can cards if you have a sense of humor. Well, less people have that sense of humor. I, I think it's fun to cross a name off and give it another whirl, but not everybody does. <sighs> yeah, you're right, but it would be hilarious. I personally would love to, uh, like, I would have loved to have seen you take the wedding cards you got <laughs> on your first marriage. And turn them into thank you cards? Yes. I asked if I could do that. The answer was no. <laughs> so anyways even though we're going on a rant here there's a reason i promise 
This episode is looking at sustainability and how it can work or not work with capitalism. So we all know that these holidays are to show our significant others the appreciation for them. And it's designed so it reminds us to do so. Hopefully we did, we shouldn't always have to be reminded, but that's what these holidays are for. Which means they are good holidays. I think how we handle them are very, very bad. It is designed through capitalism. Buy more stuff, buy stuff that is only relevant for the holiday, or buy extremely expensive energy-intensive things, like jewelry or diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, Nick is giving me a look. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm thinking maybe you're not doing that. Um, well, I'm not doing that because I can't <laughs> afford that. But uh, actually, of all the things that you give people on holidays, I kind of see jewelry as the lesser of evils. I, I say that because it's easily recyclable, most of it. And generally speaking, you're not going to be spending that every year. But you know what does get bought in thousands and thousands every year? Garbage little stuffed bears. Uh, My God. With the, fur, with the plastic coated fur, the hard plastic eyes, and the stuffing that was made in 1902. <laughs> and the tag that says, you know, only in America, American made, you flip it over, made in China, made in Taiwan, stuffed in Brazil, packed in Puerto Rico, and died in Cuba. <laughs> I obviously going on a rant about this, but it's ridiculous. And I guess I am a little more frustrated than I thought I was. <laughs> See, I, I'm starting to drag it out of you. You're, you're going to start seeing it everywhere you look now. Well, you want to start seeing something. Look at the bears, okay, for for uh, Valentine's Day. I swear to God, they're identical to the rabbits at Easter. Mm -hmm. They're identical, just maybe longer ears. <laughs> Yeah, the generalized gifts, the the ones that aren't necessarily thought through all that well. Like, you like getting the card because it says something nice. My wife likes getting a gift because I thought about it and I put effort into it. Running out and grabbing something really quick and running back in and going, Hey, I thought of you for a minute, is not what she's looking for. And I think that we've spent too much time in that kind of with the capitalist glasses when it comes to some of these holidays. Can sustainability and capitalism sit at the same table? Can they work together? I think with proper preparation, they can work together. And I believe in my soul that if people looked at these, these holidays as opportunities to really do something special, I mean truly special, something out of the ordinary, out of the box, something to really say, hey babe, I appreciate you, instead of, hey look, they had roses two for one at the local grocer and that card that you bought you know, six months ago on clearance. I think that there is a huge absence of true sincerity in these holidays. Well, and it's not just this one. We just passed New Year's. Mm -hmm. You know, you. how often can you use... I, I don't even know how the 2021 glasses will ever get on someone's head where they can see out the other eye. But, like, when would you use those again? The things you buy for New Year's are stuff that you are doing it just for that moment. We just... Worked our way through Christmas, mm -hmm. you know, wrapping papers. I think we talked about this in some past episodes. Can the way we the way we live with with capitalism stay there while we move to sustainable practices? Okay, so I believe it can. With it. capitalism can thrive, but it it has to change. So mm -hmm. right now, when you look at our society. And I, when I say when you look at our society, I've got blue collar tinted glasses. I mean, obviously there's 
huge demographics of people that I never will share the same life as. But as like a normal blue collar person, when I look at the way our item rich pop culture driven society is ran, where something is cool for five minutes, so they put it on every kind of merch possible and then it's sold and then either discarded or sit in someone's closet for no reason for an extended period of time. As long as that's still the mentality, I don't think they'll be able to coincide successfully. Or at least not not in a uh, a way that's on a grand enough scale to really make a difference. Well, fast fashion is a big problem, you know, where you have to have this year's fashion clothes and mm-hmm. people end up with massive closets with a tremendous amount of clothing in there that they wear maybe once, maybe twice. I've seen people with, with clothes in their closet that still have tags on them. When did you get that? Well, I don't fit in that anymore. It never got wore. So I know that there's some issues. We have a lot of issues with our consumer culture and where we need to be. There are fundamental problems like infinite growth. Mm -hmm. Companies believe that they must be able to achieve infinite growth on a finite planet. I think it sounds ridiculous to everyone, but they still believe that way. It only sounds ridiculous to the people that understand that it's a problem. If you say infinite growth... Mm -hmm. People don't really know what that means. Essentially, and if I'm wrong, check me on this. Okay. So if a company looks at its numbers and in the first quarter, they show a 15% profit. So in the second quarter, or maybe in the first quarter of the next year, if they still only show a 15% profit, if they match the previous year, they show that as a net bad because it didn't grow further than what it was. Even though the company is still doing good and taking millions of dollars of revenue, it actually shows as a, a downside to their, their yeah, model at that current moment. They must find a way to make more every quarter because let's say you know company A made one $1 million in, mm-hmm. in the first quarter. And they project that they're going to make $1.1 million in the second quarter, but they only make $1 million in the second quarter. Their stock will drop. Their, yeah. their net worth will drop. They still made $2 million over two quarters, but mm-hmm. they quote-unquote lost, which they never had, that other 100000 They just assumed they should get it mm-hmm. and did not achieve it. And so... The way the system is designed, you can only grow to a certain point, then they start cutting, and then they start diversifying into other businesses. They have to grow infinitely. And I just don't think that even has a remote capability of feasibility. Maybe your savings for a company, maybe the, maybe the savings should grow month over month, year over year, so that if there is a tragedy, they bail themselves out. Mm-hmm. But it is not designed currently for sustainable marketing, because that is what really encouraged disposability. We need you to throw it away because we need you to buy another one. Well, that's part of it, but I think it goes further than that. I think that the amount of things that you can purchase that you don't need is so extensive, and pop culture is driven so deep into who we are as people, that when you go into Walmart, and as I'm name-dropping Walmart, <laughs> you walk into their electronics section, okay? What's the first thing when you walk in, you see, what is the first thing you see in their electronics section? Well, the first thing I see is the huge bin of pile of DVDs. That's exactly what I'm going with. Okay. You walk in, you see a 5 foot by 5 foot by 4 foot bin of DVDs, Blu-rays, video games, whatever they have on them, huge amount of CDs, whatever type of media that is currently on the chopping block is in there. Mm-hmm. And not only is it in there, 
It's an, it's it's a called a five dollar bin. Everything in every facet of life sounds like a deal when it's five dollars. <laughs> Even subs. Okay. So you walk in, yes, five dollar footlongs. <laughs> holla holla. So you walk up to this bin and you're like, Oh wow, I love these movies. I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Oh my gosh. So you pick that movie up. Five bucks. You don't think about it, not a big deal, throw it in your cart, go on with your day. I want you to repeat that once a week for a year. Now you have fifty two movies. Okay, fifty two movies. At an average of 90 minutes apiece, mm-hmm. roughly 4,600 minutes of time in your life you'll never get back. <laughs> the irony is that would almost be defendable if I you could guarantee that you went home and watched that film and enjoyed it. I'll be willing to bet money the average person that does that goes home, puts it on a shelf, forgets to watch it, or realizes they already had it, but they have so many movies they couldn't they, they couldn't have told you they had it at the moment. So now not only do you have something that you wasted money on, you wasted your time purchasing, materials are wasted that it was made, mm-hmm. and you already had it, so you don't even need it. Yeah, you bought it, so it's going to prompt someone to make another one. Oh, you bring up the you bring up the topic of clothing and stuff, and you're completely right. And it takes a lot of resources to produce that clothing for it to be useless. But it's not just clothing; it's not limited to that. It spans all of our day to day lives, and it's it's horrible to think about when you actually look at. And then if you total the amount of money you spend on that stuff, it'd make you sick if you thought about it. Yeah, it's well. And first of all. I will tell you, media is a another sensitive point in our household. So, Jamie, if you're listening, go ahead and skip this episode because she is a DVD collector. Okay. She has a massive amount of DVDs. Okay. Which, in my head, has you know the plastics involved, the laser engraving, the, the print, all these things that goes into making... Well, which is now obsolete media. All of those movies are found online. Every one of them. All of those movies can be put on a hard drive. You can put a one terabyte hard drive on the back of the television, plug it in through the USB and access all of your movies digitally now. Mm -hmm. Or, yes, it was only $5 to buy it. Chances are, if you do watch it, you're going to watch it once. You can go rent it online for $2. And if it's pop culture and it's that old, 99 cents. Yeah. And guess what? Nothing gets built. Nothing gets made. You still get to see it. You still get the nostalgia, the Mm -hmm. feeling, the warm fuzzies. You can even buy it digitally for probably less than the $5 bin. I would be willing to pay a dollar more to not have all the material use. I agree. And now... With everything I just said in that rant, <laughs> I'm going to tiptoe the other way. <laughs> As a person who makes a fairly decent amount of side money reselling used media, as mm-hmm. I do buy and resell video games and toys, pop culture mm-hmm. items, movies, whatever, I will tell you that outside of being able to earn a buck, I own more things than I could ever potentially have a use for. I have. If I'm guessing, 500 DVDs between what I feel I can't live without, air quotes, and movies that I went into Walmart mm-hmm. a couple years ago, purchased one here, one there. You repeat that cycle for 10 years, you get a lot of movies. <laughs> we did a garage sale a couple years back. We went through all the DVDs that I owned. I had 40 that were never even opened. Mm-hmm. I had three copies of the same movie. And not just one movie. Probably six or seven films. Three copies of each one. Because i seen it. Oh my god, I love that movie. I should get it. 
<laughs> I should get it. I got it three times. <laughs> well, it, and you're right. The media, the game stuff, but it somehow has leaked into everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have stores out there, and I'm I won't name drop names, but there's some stores that are just known for having grossly inexpensive tools. For an example that are kind of a big box location that have all these things. Do you not want a name drop because you want to be welcome in that store when you've got to fix something? <laughs> Is that the idea here? Well, it's I'm trying to generalize and not pick on any, any specific company, but there are brands designed around the concept. Their marketing is when you break it, we'll replace it. Because it's so cheap to produce and so flimsy that if you happen to try to use it twice or three times mm-hmm. and, and it does break, they can just keep giving you another one and really never put a dent into that income. But what they really think is going to happen is, is you're going to break it, forget to take it back to the store. And you're going to buy a new one. And you'll just buy a new one. They're only $5. You know, I've always had mixed feelings on this specifically because I've never looked at it from the aspect of sustainability, but I've looked at it from the aspect of a consumer versus mm-hmm. a business. And there are tools, specifically wrenches, that if you do break one in half, they will replace it depending on the company. Mm-hmm. A couple companies, the theory behind that is that you shouldn't ever have to do that. Right. And truth be told, as you and I both know and have probably done this, you could admit that if you broke a wrench in half, you're probably doing something you shouldn't have been with it. <laughs> right. Well, and I know you're talking about like the Craftsman brands, yes. the Snap-ons, the Max. These are, these are uh, high-end, expensive. They don't assume you're going to break them. This is a different concept than what I'm talking about. I I know. Like I said, I thought about it before. (laughs) And the other place you're talking about, I agree wholeheartedly. They know they have enough margin that you can break this a half dozen times. And if you happen to decide to bring them back in and swap them out, and I'm sure there's people who do. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people who don't. And they, they know that that because it's so inexpensive... You will keep coming back, coming back. And maybe while you're swapping this part out, you'll, you'll, buy, find, you'll buy two more things. So that is not sustainable. Sustainable is what grandpa used to always teach me and what's in the book, which is buy something so that it's the last time you buy it. He used to always, I remember him telling family members, if you have to buy the same thing twice, when will you get another item? You're always buying the same thing over and over again if you break it. Buy one good one. Use it forever. And by the way, I have his hammer that he built half a neighborhood with. It still pounds a nail. It has not come apart. It has not broke. Several things that I've bought have broke. Mm-hmm. His has. He has still hasn't to this day. It's what my wife uses to hang photos in the house now. We just give it a an easier job, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> it's the geriatric hammer. We're just kind of giving it a retirement, but he still gets to do his job. But the if we don't, Buy things that continue to work, you'll never collect enough things to do a whole job. I agree with that. I also think that it's one things your grandpa taught you. There's a lot of different easy concepts. And I say concepts now because in today's day and age, they are a concept. That you learn from those older generations. That For them, that was just the way of life. That was just the way you did things. Buy something good so you never have to buy it again. Today's a disposable generation. It's a disposable time in, 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 in the human you know experience. But it's so far out of whack. There's disposable mowers. Yeah. I mean, tractors. Well, that's the cheap one. You only get, you get three years out of that, you're rocking. 
that's a the fact that that's a common statement or normalized the fact what was the car there was uh what was the embarrassingly yugo ah uh, yeah the yugo couple grand well i can get a car for a couple grand it'll get me by for the next it will not get out of warranty <laughs> okay <laughs> it will not get out of warranty that is not sustainable not for materials not for emissions none of that is sustainable there has to be a change in the way the world functions for capitalism and sustainability to work. I agree. I just, I think that maybe my way of thinking on this is going to be a huge culture shock to people when I, when I, in my perspective, when I look at this. And I'm the ignorant person here between the two of us. I just look at the things you're telling me, the little tiny bit I've researched myself, and I look at day-to-day life through my own perspective. And what you're, what you're hitting at, at least what i would be shoving down people's throats is that like this is the one part of sustainability when we talk about like you know making easy simple changes this is a culture shock this is this particular one is not an easy simple change yeah i mean saving up for your item and then taking care of it while you have it not black friday special tv and i'll get another one next year yeah this is not a command and conquer i seen that item through the window i want it now just because you've seen it, just because it's flashing cool, doesn't mean you have to own it. It's great that some people do earn more money. It's awesome that you have a great career, blah, 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 blah. But it, you don't have to spend the money on things you don't need. I am struggling to learn that, <laughs> and I don't make that much money. Well, and I would say that there is a possibility that when you bought things, and granted, this doesn't count to your pop, your pop culture, because if Godzilla is raising his right hand in one, but left hand in the other, that is two completely different things, and you need both. But when we look at, like, televisions and things like that, there's value in waiting a little bit longer for something better. Well, yes. Cars, uh, ref- you know, appliances. There is value in waiting to the one thing that sticks out in my head is windows when it comes like to a house windows are something that when you buy you buy good you buy you know double pane gas filled you know (laughs) you buy good windows they're installed and you have you'll save a good chunk of that money through the through living there so there is value in saying that just because you might make a little less than someone else that you can't just wait a little bit longer because what happens is is you buy the more inexpensive item you buy it more often you just buy it more often you Mm -hmm. you spent the same amount of money you just had to keep going back and doing it over and over again well i agree I, i think that in one of our previous episodes I made a joke about um, buying that dollar store spatula and breaking it five or six times Mm -hmm. versus buying the good one. And that really can be said across the board for most things. And you mentioned Windows. I love that you mentioned Windows because Windows are a great example. They're also a hard-hitting example that are a big investment in your home. Massive. it's (laughs) It's not just, you know, oh, I need a new one. It's, okay, so when you buy new windows for your house, not only are you buying something that's going to be there for a long time, but that involves labor, it involves a lot of different aspects financially that you really have to look at and you have to budget for. So I, I love that's the one you use. My brain went the opposite way. You're talking about like the, the benefits to waiting. Well, when you talk about cars, new electronics are a big one. When you, when you talk about that kind of stuff, first reason to wait is the obvious one. First models never work. Wait till the bugs are worked out. Second reason to wait is the fiscal side. When companies lose the new product, first and foremost, they're trying to get their investment back. So the first generation of whatever they're releasing is going to be the most expensive Mm -hmm. and have the most problems. So if you're already going to have to replace it, why buy it? Don't. Wait. 
TVs are a big one. When they come out with the new, like the new 4K, new 5K, the newest technology, wait six months, eight months, so they get the bugs worked out. Wait to make sure that they're not just gonna pump something out right after it, because that happens. There's been technologies that were, you know, hyped up to be the greatest thing. And um, how how good did HD DVDs do? Right, or there's been a you know beta, or uh, what was the laser disc? Was were those one. the ones that were like the size of a 16 inch vinyl, but they were they looked like a CD? Yep, it was like a disco frisbee. Like those things were <laughs> ridiculous. I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself. We had that at Best Buy when I worked. I know, and that's what we played for everything because it had the clearest picture. It was the best technology. I'm gonna now I'm gonna date myself as a joke. When I was a freshman, we got a player in our earth science class and the teacher was super excited because the only way the budget allowed it was that it was considered obsolete and they got it clearanced out this was in 2000 (laughs) 20 years ago (laughs) yep and he was he was tickled well and i've never been happier that digital media our media is now digital and i mean not digitally printed digitally stored digitally stored yeah absolutely Uh, that is going to be a huge see that that is where some of capitalism is functioning has found its place where it can fit with sustainability. Oh, I agree. The fact that you can take my entire DVD collection and stick it on a chip that fits inside my wallet is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and so there are ways for this stuff. It's just a matter of getting people migrated over to understanding it. Getting people like the fact that we have. I don't want to, again, I don't like saying names of stores, but let's just say dollar stores that seriously still have everything in it being a dollar. Mm-hmm. In my head, I start thinking, how can they have departments? At some point, that's just a hodgepodge of random things that can be a dollar. But the fact that they exist is still scary when it comes to sustainability. Because that stuff is being shipped across the planet, packaged over and over and over again, warehoused, redistributed. And it's still profitable at $1. So I am not going to name drop this one. <laughs> but years ago, I helped briefly set up one such store where not everything was going to be a dollar per se, but everything came from China. Mm-hmm. And everything was probably 80 to 90 cents cost per item. They get pallets and pallets of stuff in, charge three, five, seven dollars $7. These stores are predominantly successful in low-income areas inexpensive product yeah and everything's cheap if it's five dollars everything is cheap and everything everything is worth buying when it's cheap that's one of the biggest things like if something's that cheap there is a mentality of oh well it's only two dollars grab it it's only a dollar grab it as your cart fills and fills and fills and you've been in the store 35 40 minutes you've now spent two or three hundred dollars you probably didn't budget on garbage, on nothing, mm-hmm. on things that are going to be broken, lost, given away, sit in a closet with tags on them, re-gifted to someone else. For what? Yep. Because you're impulsive and you've seen it and you want it. And I'm saying a lot of this with guilt. I do a lot of this <laughs> stuff. I do. I'm not going to sit here and act holier than thou. A lot of these these podcasts that you and I record are really unveiling how guilty I am as a person, how the things that I do that are not so great. Mm-hmm. Well, and hey, I will also tell you, I do too. That's why realistic sustainability is based on what we can do, and as we learn, we get better. That's all it. Ha- that's all we have to do is each day get slightly better, make one better decision each day. Because in the long term, with our kids watching, they build those same habits, and 
with us reducing, 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 or refusing as much as we, we can, it will accumulate. We get that positive footprint. We start moving in the right direction. Next thing you know, you're, you're actively attempting to do certain things. You know, my, you'll be growing a garden before you know it. Well, I can assure you growing the garden is not a problem. Maintaining the garden really sucks. <laughs> I am actively trying, in some aspects I am failing, trying to reduce the amount of pop culture stuff that I have. Because, like, it, we make jokes about it. I do love Godzilla. You you gave me a little bit of credit about having the one arm up and the other one, and I appreciate that. But I do personally, I have too much. And not only do I have, I still want things. I, I want things. We walked uh, through the grocery store, or sorry, grocery store, the big box store, mm-hmm. looking at toys and stuff for this past holiday season a few months ago. And I I wanted to play with things I had no business touching. <laughs> Like, I'm I'm 34 years old. I'm looking at this Hot Wheel ramp like, I wonder if I'd set this up if it would clear my couch. Like, this would be awesome. I don't have a reason to own that. What am I going to do with the, with the Hot Wheel track and a couple toy cars? Mm-hmm. The answer is nothing productive, <laughs> if anything at all. I have no reason to have that. I have an entire room with Godzilla merchandise. There's other stuff in there. And as I slowly weed it out, the Godzilla stuff will probably stay. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't... St- change the fact that even though I know I should and I still want more. I don't have a reason to want more. You know, it's, it's that kind of built into us. The it, one that dies with the most toy wins kind of per mentality and mm-hmm. I'm trying hard to change it. And it's 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 not uncommon. All we have to do is think first. And you know what? And if you want it and you are capable of getting it and it enriches your life in some way, then you get it. But I want everybody to at least think about that process first, that concept first, because I think we do a lot of purchasing without thought. It's, a, it's becoming an instinct. It's becoming a, just a, a, a reflex, if you I will. I agree. And not only is that bad for your personal finances, but for sustainability, it just rewards poor behavior on so many different companies. I, th- I agree, but I also think it does something else that we're not really giving the devil his due. I think that when you buy that stuff, it makes you momentarily happy. When you're momentarily happy, you don't think about the downside to not buying it. It's really hard to justify why you don't need something that you like when it's only $7. I'm not saying that you can't justify it. What I am saying is when someone has you on the spot, you're with friends, you're with your wife, you're with your company, you're at the store, you're like, oh, that's really cool. We'll get it. Yeah, I don't want it. Why not? These questions start coming at you. You start getting peer pressure into spending money that you didn't really need to spend. And if you think about it, it's not going to hurt you. I literally had this conversation happen two days ago. We're at Walmart. Mm -hmm. They have a Jaws puzzle. It's the original movie poster. It's like 500 pieces. I literally went, that is excellent. That is really cool. I really like that. We'll buy it. I don't want it. You can admire something and not own it. But it's only $7. $7 I don't need to spend. Well, why not? I am never going to assemble this. A box is never <laughs> going to get opened. I, I'm not going to do it. It'll be wasted on me. I have enough stuff I already know is wasted on me. <laughs> yeah, it's... See, I've crossed a line. Now I've written a book. We have this podcast. When someone tries to peer pressure me into that, they're about to get an embodied energy lecture they didn't sign up for. I will go through the reason Good. we will flip that box over and see where it's built and start calculating. And that reduces the amount of questions I have to take. Hit them, put some stank on it, do it. 
<laughs> so uh, I have crossed the line of being embarrassed into the peer pressure. I am perfectly comfortable with saying I don't want that because it has this much carbon involved with it. Well, it it's not the embarrassment, though, is what I was getting at. And if I if I said that, that I did it out of mind and I apologize. It's the it's the uncertainty of questioning yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard concept about for me, especially with the sustainability is you have to question yourself on some of these things. You have to say, do I need this? Yes or no. Then you have to go further and say why, regardless of the answer, you have to say why. And then when you say why, then you go, okay, well, is this true or is this ego? Right. You have to. And maybe that's me going a little too deep into the psyche part of it. Like maybe it is, maybe I am being a little too preachy about it, but I did not need that puzzle. Did I like that puzzle? Absolutely. Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. I can recite every single word by every character. The music kicks, I get goosebumps. I think it's a perfect film. Okay. You don't, I don't need, need a puzzle. Poster. Huh? You don't need a puzzle. I don't need a puzzle. I don't need a poster. I don't need a toy. I don't need any of it. I don't find it significant to me as a person. It will not enrich any aspect of my life. Okay, so how do we how do we move that forward? How do we make capitalism survive? As we become a more sustainable world? That's a good question. I mean, some of it to me is, and we're going to talk about this in later weeks, the circular economy stuff mm-hmm. where material never leaves the circle of use. But I I think that it is, we're going to have to change what we buy and how we buy. Just like with DVDs and just like with CDs. You don't see those anymore because they they very much are obsolete. Your cell phone, your television, everything has memory. Everything plays. You're going to listen to us on a podcast on the computer. You're not going to go buy or it's just the the physical portion is gone. And I think we're going to have to start moving more digitally in some ways. We're going to have to change the way we get a new phone every two years to... You know, having them rebuilt and upgraded and those materials survive for the next round. We're going to have to make those changes. And the companies who are forward thinking get to lead. And the ones who refuse to let go to the old methods will probably slowly follow Sears. I think what you said is, is pretty much true. And I want to dip back into something I had said in a previous episode that the the pandemic showed us how irrelevant physical stores were becoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't sell a good that is marketable online or functional online, then you probably aren't going to survive or not in the capacity upon what you've been doing business. So with, with a store that sells goods, clothing, toys, merchandise, whatever it is, that can all be shipped. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get into media... I think all media should be digital. As as it sits right now, as a platform, everything should just be digital. Um, are there the people that are nostalgic and want that physical copies? There are still companies that make vinyl records. Yeah, we have a people friend are still who, buying them. We have a friend who's a performer who still makes cassettes. I am not name dropping people, <laughs> just businesses. <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right. So I mean, I think that to some degree, like we talked about fuel and oil. And that kind of stuff, how it's never really completely going away. Mm-hmm. I see physical media doing the same thing. I've, for no other reason, there's so much of it in the world that it's never going away. Well, there's it, a nostalgia point. I just published a book. And that book, I really wanted one physically 
in hand in my home. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I purchased so many so that we could sell them. And is, is that the most sustainable process? No, that was ego. That was ego because I also made the PDF. Mm-hmm. And I've also sold PDFs. You're right. You know, it, it's it's ego. But I, I, ironically enough, it's just as big of a part of the ego as the rest of us in your family who want to physically hold that book so we can say, my brother wrote a book, my uncle wrote a book, my son wrote a book, blah, blah, blah. You can still you can email to people, hey, my brother wrote a book. That'll never get opened. If I hand someone a book and say, my brother wrote this, they're at least going to look at it and go, wow. They're going to flip through it. They're going to give it the once over. So it it is ego. It's a huge part of ego. The the part of our ourself, the part of our brain that, that dictates value and justification for things is mostly ego-driven. It takes a very self-conscious person to, get, to look at that and go, ooh, ooh. No, I don't think I need that. <laughs> I'm glad, personally glad that you did that with the book because my ego, I wanted one or two or seven or nine. However many fit in my shelf, I got space. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it, it takes a minute. Every time you make a decision, you make it out of the concept of creating joy. And when you're a sustainability nerd, the next step has to be, hang on, can I do the same thing without without all the waste? And I had decided, writing the book, wanting to be a part of sustainability, having something that would have some long-standing effect, was important to me. Yes, we have digital copies, and some people are taking advantage of that. But the physical copies, I wanted anyways. You wanted a handful of family members, so we had to do it. The whole idea is, how do, do we make that, do we sit down and have that thought process with everything we buy? I think we should. And what happens to companies when we do? Because we know there's lots of people out there who will say, no, 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 you got to buy, you got to buy. It's the economy. And that's not necessarily true. Things evolve. And and they either have to evolve with it, like we talked about televisions where the frame stays there, but they can constantly be upgraded. They can still do their thing within a realm of sustainability. I believe in my heart at one time, especially in this country, but in most countries. There are companies that existed, yes, to earn a profit. To be in business is to try to get a profit. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these companies, at least at one point, the ones that have been around for 50, 70, 80 years, at one point their first priority was to provide a service that made people's lives better, to make their lives easier, to produce something that actually had a reason for existing. I think that nowadays that's lost. And I believe capitalism is pretty much basically funded by greed. Now, capitalism is... Influenced. By, hmm? Driven and driven by greed? I think capitalism is, is the facade upon which greed grows. Hmm. And that greed is, a, is something in this world of ours that is a justification for doing heinous things. And things like sweatshops or, you know, having a company produce this $200 sneaker, $100 sneaker, out of... Dollar thirty in materials. Well, and I think that's that is a symptom of that endless profit and, that they yeah. have to have. And I think that in order for sustainability and capitalism to become cohesive and to really help us grow, a lot of those companies need to go. And I know that sounds pretty bad, but if everything sustains the way it is in the name of sustainability, 
that can't happen. Right. In order for capitalism and sustainability to find a happy medium for things to really improve and and move forward, there's got to be some changes. And in my personal opinion, we're taking cracks at dollar stores. That's got to be one of them. It's got to go. Right. It's just a, that is a place where sustainability cries. Uh, You know, it's just, I don't know. I think this conversation, we've scratched the surface of what is probably a wound in this country. And we we haven't even dug in deep, really. Let's just get my soapbox out. You're just getting warmed up. And here we, and we're about to wrap up. So, uh, you know, I'm glad we started this conversation. This conversation will have to deepen. If you're listening to this conversation and you either agree or disagree, however you feel about it, let us know. There's a place to to view to voice your opinion directly on the greeningyourlife.org site backslash podcast there's the facebook group there's the facebook page communicate it because this conversation is just starting it's really just getting started and the more people who talk about it the better the more we all learn because i don't think anybody has an answer to this question yet i agree i don't think there can be an answer to the question until it's attempted it's there's a lot of things you can do you can write you know, your thoughts down on paper, you can construct concepts and ideas, but until we actually try to change this stuff, like really put effort into it, we're never going to know if it's functional. An industry leader really has to make a change. They have to disrupt the market. What Just like Tesla did with electric vehicles, it, it jostled up the whole auto industry. That's going to have to happen in almost every single sector, every single area, from food to cars to random junk that's gonna get that's all gonna have to get shaken up a little bit for for sustainability to take hold well yeah absolutely and i'm really glad that until this moment food did not come up in this conversation (laughs) um i save it for the end no no we're just gonna save it for a whole nother episode well and we do where we need to have a you and i have to have a discussion about commercial agriculture and creating or discussing how it's broken now and finding that track that takes us over into a sustainable practice commercial agriculture commercial food production fast food production i think that i could probably knock out a couple hours on each one just in ranting in fact i'll take breaks so i can breathe (laughs) (laughs) and you could throw words in there uh but i agree and i think that when you talk about these industry leaders i I don't necessarily know if it has to be necessary industry leader. I mean, it could be a brilliant startup. A brilliant startup. Relevant enough for people will know the name. Now, you mentioned Tesla. As of the last two to three years, everyone knows Elon Musk. He's been around for a long time, but now he's a household name. Right. And so, regardless of what you think about the guy, he's done. He's has done amazing things and is continuing to do amazing things. And I am appreciative of that. Not only has he shaken up, not one, but two practically dying industries, and now they're thriving and alive again. Mm-hmm. And that's how I look at the space program. It was a dying industry. No one cared enough to really put effort into going forward. Yeah. He's changed the game. And even like this past in December when Starship met an untimely end at the, the inaugural flight, the landing was... <laughs> Coming in a little hard. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, unintentional rapid disassembly. <laughs> yes, it, ex- it did experience that. He still tried it. They did it. They put it in the air. 
they got pretty good results for the first time, I think. Well, and yes, as a space nerd, I think it went 90% well. He just landed a few inches below the ground. But we need that same kind of person. In everything. In everything. We need a visionary with food. We need a visionary with airplanes, everything. Everything that can be bought or used. These visionaries are going to have to one by one come up and they're going to change those whole industries. What we need are people in these industries to realize the importance of enough is enough. And that if we're going to be in business, we have to be benefiting the existence of our company and the people we serve in the country we're doing business in. It's great that you can earn a billion dollars in a country. Fantastic. Good for you. That's awesome. Capitalism, you won. I have no problem with that. Earn your money and be happy. But it's not so great if the people under you that earned you that money are suffering. Not at the expense. Not at the expense of the people, of your patrons, of the people that are that are funding your company. Like It needs to be, in an ideal world, a net plus. Well, and there's something called a triple bottom line, and we're going to have to discuss that at some point too, which some companies like Patagonia, Costco... They use this triple bottom line where they treat the profits the same way they treat the people and they treat the environment. It, it, it all fits as one. They, they give a quantified value to how they treat the community and their employer or the employees and a quantified value on how they handle the environment around them and how their carbon footprint evolves or devolves. And they treat it all the same. So it's not just profit, profit, profit. If these other two fall apart, they consider that a failure. Really? Yes. And triple bottom line, we'll have to get into that one of these times. Please do. And there are companies doing it and companies trying it, and some of them are even successful. So hopefully you got something out of this episode. I think this one was definitely a discovery discussion that scratched the surface of a very complex problem. And that it's going to take a lot more talking to get it done. So we hope to hear your voice as much as you've heard ours. I appreciate you listening. I'm Mike. I'm Nicholas. And we will see you next week. episode is sponsored by Melting Me. Join the star of Melting Me, Nicholas Nazarian, in his journey of weight loss as he tries to teach himself how to live a healthy life in a supersized world. This podcast is an honest and open look at everything from his real life struggles to his victories big and small. Come get your melt on with Melting Me on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you listening. Now please enjoy the show.